0: Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video End of Year Best of 2020 podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I am joined, as I am every
1: year, and in fact every two weeks, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and as Dan said, I'm very excited to be doing our our annual end-of-year special, and it's going to be a little different this year. Um, Because there's so much to talk about, we're actually going to split our end-of-year special into two episodes. So in part one, we'll go from our number 10 down to our number 6, uh, of the year before doing our top five in two weeks in the next episode. So, um, and we'll also talk about our favourite Arrow releases and, and, and all sorts. But before we do that, Dan, how has your 2020 been? It's been a very
0: weird year. Workwise, it's actually ended up being after a, you know a slightly slow start and then an international pandemic um it's picked up quite well i've done like seven features this year <laughs> what holy shit yeah which is insane uh i mean that's a little bit of a stretch because one of the i'm counting pickups for a picture that we shot last year in right. that but yeah we'd i'd i'd had a really quiet start to the year just a few little bits here and there and then we did host during the first lockdown we did sensor pickups with prano uh, bond as soon as lockdown was lifted. Um, I did some stuff for a banquet for T-Shop. I did um, the new Ben Wheatley picture, In the Earth. Uh, we did the Run the, uh, Run the Jewels music video, uh, and amongst that, I was out in Malta for Seed. Uh, I did uh, Dash Cam for Rob Savage when I got back. I think there's another one as well that I'm forgetting. It's fucking, it's been so busy and as a result I am utterly dead <laughs> but, but it's but to be honest I don't think it would have been possible if I'd been allowed to have a social life like a lot of this was born out of like a, a weird swell in the number of like medium sized productions that were going on and the fact that I was working insane hours but I had nothing else to do like you know obviously I'm at home and I'm seeing Jen and I'm watching films and I'm hanging out with the dogs that hasn't changed, but like I'm not going out to the cinema i'm not going out of an evening, I'm not going to gigs like there was just nothing to do but home and work
1: yeah that's I mean, yeah, it's very similar for me actually I've ended up doing a decent amount, nowhere near as much as you've done, but I have written two films I was basically hired to write um based on outlines uh and they should both be out uh next year, actually. Um, one of them got made super quickly and I've already seen the trailer um, which looks amazing (laughs) like I I was kind of blown away by it so I'm looking forward to sharing that next year and I've also been kind of tinkering away at you know I, I don't want to say too much but let's just say that there's probably going to be another film from me out in uh 2021 something that i've directed so yeah it hasn't really stopped me too much though i i think the kind of obviously the wider social impact that's terrifying and 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 tragic and and all the rest of it yeah it's a pretty pretty tough end of the year pretty exhausted from worrying about everyone and everything um, for, for such a long stretch of time. But, you know, vaccine around the corner and, and who knows what next year is going to hold. So, um, yeah, uh, reasons to be hopeful uh, at the end of the year, for sure. Yeah, what what a weird time, Dan. What a weird time for very, our very industry, weird. especially like everything that's kind of been going on the past couple of weeks, like the Warner Brothers announcement that they're going to put their whole slate onto HBO Max Uh, in the new year and the massive backlash there's been against that. I mean, have you been following that story at all? loosely yeah i'm i'm kind of torn about it like my initial response
0: was well fuck i kind of get it you know like they're not saying they're doing it instead of cinematic they'll release cinematically at the same time whenever possible and it's just so they don't have to keep fucking changing stuff like they've everyone's had to do all year this year going oh it's going to be out in the cinemas okay no it's not going to be out in the cinemas it'll be out in the cinemas later no it's not going to be out in the cinemas later okay it's going straight to vod oh but actually you can see it in the cinemas for like two days like, I get why that's fucking awful and this like I, I sympathize with it. But then Jen explains to me that the profit share yeah. <laughs> for the filmmakers would be different between uh cinematic and, and VOD. And so aside from, you know, some precious directors being like, No boo hoo, you have to see my movie on the big screen as I intended which I have little sympathy for, because why would the health of your fans be less important than the 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 size of the screen they see your film on, but but actually yeah it's a it's a contractual breach and so I get I get that I get that frustration and I think that the answer is to come well a Warner Brothers shouldn't have done it without talking to their artists um, and B they what they should have done was go in and say look okay so what we're going to do is we're going to adjust the profit share between theatrical and VOD so that there's parity across it so that your share is equivalent across the average recoup
1: yeah yeah that's it i mean it's the residuals thing uh, and it's not just the top line kind of you know the director of the stars and and all that and and they've been talked about quite a lot but it's every member of the crew that, that relies on getting those checks further down the line um, I, I mean man and, the, and and the people below the line
0: crew don't get residuals on the reg like it's not common like occasionally you'll get someone and normally not and definitely not on a film as big as like you know dune or something like that like the the production designers not getting money off the back of that going to cinema that doesn't make any difference to them like it's nice to see this stuff on the big screen
1: yeah but, and and it's also it's the kind of the the fair dealing aspect of it so for each of those films warner brothers could and potentially should have gone out to all the streamers and taken the best offer that will have you know benefited everyone the most i mean you look at legendary who's put in 70 percent of the budget into godzilla versus kong for example Mm -hmm. and, and also dune as well i think it's a similar split um they're not going to make as much money. Forget the, you know, residuals, like the upfront money, because Warners has just said, oh no, HBO Max is the best place for this. You know, I think someone like Netflix wanted Godzilla versus Kong for quite a large amount of money and that's been turned down to go to HBO Max instead. So it is quite a complicated situation, though I I do, you know, I, I do agree with you about the safety aspect for sure. And I think you know uh, a lot of filmmakers might be surprised by how cheap projectors are these days and you can have the (laughs) you know quote-unquote big screen experience in your home now more and more people are are doing that and have done that throughout the pandemic so i I just don't think that's an issue at all really um outside of imax unless you've got a very big house um the um the 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 words to look for when you're investigating projectors
0: is short throw oh short throw you want a short throw projector. A short throw projector gives you a the maximum size that the projector can achieve over a short distance.
1: Oh, that's nice. Um,
0: whereas a like, so if you don't have a short throw projector, then you have to have a really long room to get that size. Yes. Oh, that's 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 um, very
1: good for me to know because I'm in a smaller room at the moment, and um, it's really pissing me off that my projector. So is I'm basically assuming you're getting size. loads of fucking keystoning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the size of a telly, and of course the other big announcement that's going to have an impact on our industry made this week is disney plus now disney plus scares me more than hbo max if i'm being completely honest you know 10 new series related to star wars 10 new series related to marvel all the pixar movies that are going on there um and literally the same reaction i saw throughout my twitter feed when it was all being announced was oh wow so much like how am i going to find the time to watch all of this and it just made me think yeah how will you find the time to watch all of that and how will you find the time to watch indie movies like host or whatever if all you're doing is injecting disney into eyeballs um and that makes me more scared for the future of indie film and you know more risky projects how did it make you feel
0: i would say that the the news of the facebook case saying that facebook has been essentially swallowing competitors and is is uh ultimately performing a breach of antitrust legislation in the states yeah um is a light at the end of the tunnel for this fucking disney owns everything like cabal yeah um because i literally don't know that's such a behemoth yeah like it's that is that is uh anti-competitive that is antitrust so maybe we'll see a a court case in the near future where disney has to be broken up into separate
1: companies i mean it would be nice because i mean you rattle off the list it's like star wars marvel pixar 20th century fox now 20th century studios um and various other bits and pieces that they've got um you know, all all the remakes they do of their own stuff. It's just never ending. Um, So, yeah, sorry if you're a a diehard Mandalorian fan listening to this. I don't want to rain on your parade. I'd be happy if just the Mandalorian existed, but I'm slightly worried that there's going to be 10 other of of those shows all with their equivalent Baby Yodas, um, you know, filling up my Twitter timeline (laughs) and more importantly, the time (laughs) of my audience, you know?
0: Well, I've not seen The Mandalorian yet. No. Uh, but I have it on uh, a few people have mentioned that it's essentially a rip off of Lone Wolf and Cub. Yes. But with a cute hand puppet instead of Dai Goro Ito. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So maybe uh they the other um the other Disney TV series will just rip off Asian franchises that you love and
1: uh and you can get warm, fuzzy feelings from that and it'll all be fine i don't want warm fuzzy feelings i want to be shocked and disturbed by edgy cinema like oh sam imagine a tv
0: series about a one-armed jedi
1: oh right i'm back on board (laughs) 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 i'm back in the game but no what you know one of the many things that worries me about this is that the latest episode went up and and like you i haven't watched it but i get to follow you know what each episode is by being on twitter and someone compared um in fact a couple of people compared the latest episode to the wages of fear meets inglorious bastards right and wow it just made me think wow that does sound great and then i thought yeah i can sort of imagine what that is so i don't really need to watch it um but also what happens in 30 years 40 years what are they going to be ripping off then if all we've got is disney stuff are they going to start eating their own tail are we just going to see series that refer to the mandalorian oh god dan please it's going to be walt disney presents the ouroboros stop it from happening dan stop it (laughs) all right well let's not get so miserable so early on in this 2020 spectacular um let's talk about the movies themselves, the movies that we actually love. Um, Dan, do you have a coin to hand?
0: No, I don't. But what I do have is a small rubber end cap for my 3D
1: printer. And I'm holding it in one of my hands, and you can guess left or right. Okay, perfect. Oh, well. Uh, I mean, that's less... Uh, like less action based, but you know, maybe. I mean, we'd... I
0: don't know how action based a coin flip is, it, well, it, <laughs> unless it's... unless you were planning on shooting
1: the coin out of the air. It spirals <laughs> through the sky and clatters to the ground, whereas this is just like in someone's hand. But that's fine. I we mean, need... I've got a bottle opener. I can do a clatter noise. We, we need no. We need more calm. We need more calm at the end of this. Uh, at the end of this year. So, um <laughs> left. <laughs> it was in my left. Yeah. Oh. Shit! This is the first. I think this is the first time I've ever won at this. So, um, <laughs> and 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 high marks. Well, surely, it just means you choose. You don't have to go first. High, high marks. <laughs> high marks for honesty. Um, I'm gonna uh, be a gentleman, and I'm gonna ask you to go first, Dan. This could be a mistake. <laughs> so
0: it made no difference. Well, okay. So I'm gonna do something that you might uh, find slightly unpopular, but I'm just gonna rattle off a couple of also rands at the top because. Okay, I- so not quite in my top 10, uh, but movies that I really enjoyed. Uh, Vivarium by Lorcan Finnegan, that really stuck with me this year. Rent a Pal by John Stevenson that I saw quite recently uh, on Amazon, which I liked. Uh, not perfect, but but pretty good. And Anything for Jackson, which again, like, had an amazing concept and some really lovely moments in it but uh but didn't didn't quite get onto the top ten, but they were there were some some fun additionals. oh, and then and Relic, which is fucking gorgeous, but um, again, not quite not quite on the list okay.
1: um,
0: but my number 10 is one that I've mentioned on the podcast as a recommendation during the year. It's available for purchase on Amazon streaming. I don't know if there's a physical media release of it. it's Kitty Green's the assistant. It's a really rather grim look at the uh, the way that, like, a desire not to interrupt your own path in life can cause you to be silent when you see other bad things happening. Um, it's told within the film industry specifically, uh, and it's yeah, it's about a uh, about a young female assistant in a in a in a, a media agency who becomes aware of of some untoward doings by her male boss. Uh, and it's about the emotional uh, response she has to how how she has to react to
1: that or how she feels she has
0: to or cannot react to that.
1: Great. Yeah, I haven't actually seen The Assistant yet, but uh, I've had it recommended. Uh, and yeah, from your description of it there, I'll um, I'll bump it up the list. Um, yeah, great. Well, you said that I would be potentially annoyed by you rattling off some also-rans you may potentially be annoyed by my approach to my list this year um yeah you're
0: doing another 10 films for each film i am
1: what Uh, that's not how top 10s work not quite not quite (laughs) so um basically you know it's 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 it has been a long year and it has been difficult year but um one of the kind of Positives for me is that I've been able to attend a lot more film festivals this year. Um, even though Cannes didn't happen, um, a lot of festivals kind of went online. So um, I was able to attend Fantasia for the first time, night streams which was obviously a combination of lots of different ones. London Film Festival, you know, uh, Fright Fest, the Arrow Video Fright Fest, which which had a couple of uh, online events um and also uh, glasgow still went ahead so um i've been to so many festivals this year i thought i'd do a list that has double bills um where the first film is a film that was released in the uk this year as i normally do um but also a film that i saw at a festival that will be released next year um so so that's that's what i'm doing dan how do you feel? You you upset? You angry? You disappointed? No, that doesn't that doesn't slap the face of lists. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like that's fine. I actually had considered doing a uh, a, a, a sort of a, a based on recommendation for each of mine as well, oh. and I might do for a few of them.
1: Yeah, still do. Um, yeah, because the more films that th- right? weren't
0: necessarily films from this year. But um, but yeah, no. Go ahead. Go ahead with your
1: first double bill. All right. So so the first double bill is uh, uh, opens with Harpoon. Um, which was released by Arrow on Blu-ray this year. Um, I won't get too much into it because obviously we did a whole episode on it and that's actually one of my favourite episodes that we did this year, so please do go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Um, The film is about a group of people who are stranded in the middle of nowhere who do terrible things to each other and uh, my festival film, Nomadland, is about a group of people who are stranded in the middle of nowhere who late-stage capitalism does terrible things to. Um, It is a beautiful, beautiful movie. It feels like it was shot almost exclusively at Magic Hour. Um, Just wonderful directing by Chloe Zhao. And Frances McDormand gives the performance of her career in it. Um, It's basically about a bunch of working-class travellers who, who drive across the States in, in vans looking for work and companionship. Um, it, it's very powerful, very moving. It's going to be released early next year. Um, and Dan, I think you'll like it because there's some um, subtle criticism of Amazon in there. And I know you're not a big <laughs> fan of Amazon. Um, it was too subtle for some critics who mistook it for being an, an advertisement for Amazon. But, Basically, as you well know, Dan, it's very difficult to get a brand into your film. So to get the brand into the film and still include a very clear critique of it, to basically wave it through their approval process while still getting in, you know, the fact that their employees don't have enough to heat themselves, they don't have enough to feed themselves, and they live in vans, you know, I don't think that's an advert. But anyway, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, are we going to get sued by Amazon for me saying that? I'm talking about well, it. We it's were. fine. Dan, what's your next And, and also, film? like, what are they going to fucking do? Prove that they do pay their employees enough? That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, what's next from you, Dan?
0: So next from me is one that I actually watched this morning, like November, uh, a few years ago. Like, it, it was a, a late entry because I thought it had a good chance of being something I'd love. Uh, but I'm always reluctant to put things i've only just seen too far up the list because i haven't really like let it sit with me Hmm. yet but as always in the run-up to these i'm mad scrabbling through a huge list of of potential heavyweight like successes some of which are disappointing, some of which are amazing. This one is from our friends at Anti-Worlds. Uh, it's called Murder Me Monster oh, by Alejandro Fidel.
1: Have you, have you seen it? I haven't. I, I didn't get to it, but I was really hoping that you would have time to watch it because um, it looked up your street. So uh, tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, I th-
0: I think I love it. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. It's very uh, It's very slow and ponderous. The performances are incredible. Uh, It's very deliberate. The cinematography is fucking gorgeous. The Mm. landscapes are beautiful. There's uh, a decent amount of actually pretty good digital effects work, especially in the landscapes. There are some really beautiful sort of like mirrored landscapes going on that are quite subtle digital work. And it's ostensibly uh, a film about sexual guilt and like, fuck, I don't know, our place as like sexual animals within the world um, and our responsibilities to one another within that space. Uh, it's it's a, ostensibly a murder mystery. A police officer is uh, trying to work out what's happening when uh, a, a series of female bodies are turning up, uh, seemingly violated and without their heads. It's never leering, but it's very like strong in its uh, in its depiction of these bodies. Uh, it's quite gory, and then. I, i'd strongly recommend trying not to see too much imagery from it ahead of time because where it goes in the third act is pretty fucking out there
1: great yeah there you go yeah that sounds amazing i love it that's, so, that's streaming in the uk now so it's it's streaming in the uk now did you say yeah yeah fantastic um yeah uh, i haven't watched it yet but uh another you know one that i'm very interested in so oh this is going well so far no no repeats i wonder if we'll get any repeats as we get closer uh, to we're the getting top. into some slightly more mainstream ones for me coming up okay. so maybe okay well um a slightly less mainstream pairing for me uh at, at number nine i have uh baccarat i believe it's it's pronounced um yeah now that's basically a, a grindhouse film exploring very clear socio-political issues in a very unique way. Um, As is my festival pick, Shakespeare's Shitstorm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But both movies have uh, a clear message. One's about colonialism, uh, while the other is about outrage culture. um, But only one of them features a whale defecating on a boat. Uh, Both are masterpieces in their own way. And I genuinely think that Shakespeare's Shitstorm is Lloyd Kaufman's best film. It's very well directed and it also contains his best performance. Um, Like there's real sincerity in this film um, to the extent that I wonder if it's going to be his last film. It has that kind of, I don't know, that kind of passion i mean i really hope he makes more movies but it's a a good way to retire if he doesn't it's kind of a great final statement on trauma as a whole yeah baccarat and shakespeare's shitstorm uh, i recommend both of them dan uh (laughs) what's next from you uh next
0: is one that i think has been on a lot of a lot of best of lists uh at the end of this year it's caro mirabella davis's swallow oh yeah it's uh it's not as hard watching as i'd expected Uh, having been told about it it's actually much more sort of accessible um it uses a couple of devices that I wasn't necessarily like I feel like I would have rather they did something else but that said I can't think of what would have still allowed them to tell the story that they told if they had changed anything so it's a fantastic performance from the lead it's got some genuine discomfort in it and it's a really uh interesting depiction of uh, sort of third party assumed guilt um and really about how the way in which we're trained to interact with other people by our parents set us up for the relationships that we have later in life so someone can someone can fall into a, a an abusive or borderline abusive relationship quite easily because they have standards in place from their upbringing that maybe they aren't aware of. And Ah. it's a really interesting and quite uh, quite, uh, sort of touching portrayal of that kind of stuff.
1: Wow, that sounds absolutely incredible. Um, I, again, haven't watched it, but have heard good things. I know that Paul McAvoy absolutely loved Swallow. um, And, yeah, he, he raved about it quite a lot. But that is actually the first description of it that makes me desperate to see it. Um yeah that sounds right up my sh- street. There's a lot of guilt going on in your in your list so far Dan. Yeah, um, I love a bit of guilt. I don't want to psychoanalyze a, a best of list, but um but it's definitely in there. Um
0: Well, uh, just wait for the <laughs> list to continue.
1: <laughs> I, I I can't wait. Um uh, next from me is a film that I'm pretty sure won't be in Dan's list because it feels like it was released so long ago. But um the Lighthouse uh, is a film that I saw at the London Film Festival last year. Um, but it was actually released this year, uh, and so yeah, it, it's basically a love story about two people stranded in the middle of nowhere. As is Rose, a love story, um, which is a film I saw at the London Film Festival this year. So. Both are beautifully shot, both are very intense, and both have very memorable endings. Um, I don't want to say much more than that because I don't want to spoil either. I'm sure most people have seen The Lighthouse by this point, but a lot of people won't have seen Rose. Um, But yeah, both are basically very, very 2020 Um, combined. They are basically the story of the year in many ways. Um, so yeah, I very much recommend both The Lighthouse and Rosa Love Story, number eight in my top 10 of the year. Dan, what's next from you?
0: I was going to say, I was, I meant to do a sort of, and if you liked, uh, Swallow, but you haven't seen Dorme Pue, uh, French Canadian body horror about a woman becoming addicted to self-mutilation. Um, that's
1: a fucking banger. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> Just a tiny bit bleak of a double bill there, but um, we love oh, bleak yeah. on this show. Yeah, <laughs> the Harrow video podcast yeah. returns. <laughs>
0: um but my my number seven pick uh, again it's on a lot of best of lists um it's lee one l's invisible man
1: oh fantastic yeah
0: it's uh yeah it's one of the the first times i've seen anyone deal with one of the old universal properties and been like genuinely like delighted with what they've done like i liked the old mummy films back in the day when i was a bit younger um but i don't think they like they weren't like wow this is a reimagining but um, but I really liked it, and then just on a technical level, it was fucking great. Yeah, if you haven't watched it,
1: it's a it's a masterclass on how to use empty space as a threat. That is one that I've seen actually, and you're completely right. Um, and it's one that I I actually saw um, when Universal um, put it online early. Um, yes, yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. paid, like... I can't remember how much I paid for it, like 20 quid or like, something. Yeah, it was like 17 quid, I think. Yeah, it, it was around that. Yeah. But that was when I was living in the old place and my projector screen was fucking massive. So it did feel like I, I'd had that big screen experience that, that you also have in your home, Dan. Um, and yeah, just an absolutely beautiful piece of work. Just really thrilling, fantastic performances. And... Um, yeah it didn't make my top 10 but i still loved it that would be an also ran for me so um yeah very nice yeah. uh we're actually rattling through these aren't we but um my next one is my favorite animation of 2020 um a film called wolf walkers have you had a chance to watch <gasps> wolf walkers yet Dan?
0: no it was on my list of i want to catch uh but uh, i haven't I haven't had a chance. I,
1: I think you'll love it um it's It's basically about a young woman who needs to separate from her father in order to find her true path, her true identity, as is my festival pick, wouldn't you know it? um Kajillionaire, which is Miranda July's latest masterpiece. Um, both made me cry. Both are arguably about the damage neoliberalism. Certainly, colonialism and capitalism uh, can do to the soul of the common woman, uh, and they are both unlike anything I've ever seen before, both beautiful piece of work um, with wonderful voice performances in Wolf Walkers and just stunning physical performances um, in in Cajillionaire, um, especially Evan Rachel Wood, who is just absolutely wonderful you will have known people like this like it's kind of quote unquote quirky people always say quirky about miranda july stuff but actually these people and these performances felt more real to me than a lot of other films i see so um i really can't recommend this film enough kajillionaire uh number seven along with wolf walkers of my top 10 films as i have seen this year dan what is at number six from you Coming in at number six is the first one on my list that hasn't actually been released in the UK yet. <laughs>
0: um, it's, uh, it was a Hulu exclusive in the States. Um, it's uh, it's out on Blu-ray in Germany in January. It has an Amazon uh, exclusive release in the UK early next year. Uh, and it's Max Barbacow's Palm Springs um i mentioned this on the podcast when we first saw it um i stand by the fact that i think if you're able to watch it with as little information as possible you should because it's very very funny and it took me by surprise uh with what its its plot is but it's got uh yeah it's got a fantastic cast it's got a great story it's a it's a very peculiar not quite rom-com like sort of anti-rom-com um with a uh with a with a very interesting twist And I can't recommend it highly
1: enough. Excellent. Yeah, no, I remember you talking about that earlier in the year. Um, Yeah, as soon as that's available in the UK, I'll check it out. So for my number six, for my final double bill of this episode, uh, I'm going to open with a question. Dan, what do you hate most in the world? Nazis. It's Nazis, isn't it? So um, my next double bill is all about the dangers. Oh, wait, paedophile Nazis. (laughs) Well, there's no paedophile. Na- well, who knows? Um, but there are plenty of, you know, just generic Nazis in my double bill. Um, it, it, it's basically this pairing is about the dangers of fascism um, represented by the alt right in Fields Good Man and oh, yeah. by actual Nazis in Shadow Country um now of the two I've probably talked about Shadow Country the least on the podcast this year I think I've banged on about Feels Good Man a couple of times um partly because it's very available for you to watch if you're in the UK it's on um, iPlayer even now um so I really recommend searching it out um but Shadow Country I, I don't actually know when it's releasing in the UK but it's basically a war film on the same sorts of lines as um, the the Czech war movie, Shop on Main Street from 1965. And this is another Czech movie, um, another masterpiece, uh, which follows the initial impact and aftermath of Nazi occupation um, in a small village. And the, the time period kind of moves from the 30s to the 50s and yeah very beautifully shot profoundly performed i just loved it so much very powerful very bleak but also fast moving and gripping kind of more fast moving than you probably would expect in a in a film like this about these subjects and in fact you get to a certain point in the film where you're like hang on a minute how are we here already um and then it goes into lots of interesting directions that you might not necessarily expect so yeah perfectly paced i just hugely recommend it look out for it i'm sure i'll mention it on the podcast when it's actually out in the uk but yeah shadow country fantastic and if you haven't watched Fields good man yet just get on it that is one of the best documentaries of the year in fact i think it's my best documentary of the year um yes dan that's it isn't it that's
0: it in yeah terms i enjoyed of our lists I enjoyed feel good, Feels Good Man. It was on my long list. I just want to pick you up on one thing and just correct you slightly. You said Nazis is depicted by the alt-right in Feels Good Man and real Nazis in the other film, but, but uh, the alt-right are real Nazis. They just haven't got the interpersonal skills to organise a Reich. <laughs> Yeah. They're still don't 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 forget that they're still absolute pieces of shit.
1: Oh yeah, no, I I wasn't like going, "Oh, those no, I know. those I guys know. and ruffling their hair." Um yeah, uh, the the all you need to do is watch the documentary to see how utterly abhorrent they are. Yeah, um, you really
0: don't they don't like
1: having their hair ruffled, though. <laughs> no, they're they asymmetric g- fringes. Keep it very very firmly in place, but yeah i guess in, in terms of also rans at this point in the podcast because we're going to go into extra features in a second but yeah i would just like to recommend a film that i saw this week it's another documentary um called other music and i don't know if you're aware of this one dan no um, i don't know it. yeah it, it did kind of a small festival run but someone tweeted about it i think it was adam lowe's maybe but someone sort of just their description of it made me think okay this looks amazing and it's actually available to um rent or buy on vimeo on demand in the uk and so yeah it's basically the story of this amazing iconic new york record store um that was opened opposite tower records Um, to kind of and everyone thought they were mad at the time but they actually ended up hoovering up a lot of business because um, they sold based on recommendations much like us Um, and they organized their shelves in in very unique ways as well and had kind of handwritten descriptions sort of before that was a a big thing Uh, and they also had a lot of great bands performing in store So uh, bands like kind of Vampire Weekend, Mogwai, um, just a bunch of really cool hipstery bands. And in fact, Animal Collective, uh, one of the members of Animal Collective worked at this store and the band sort of credit other music as being the inspiration or being a driving force behind them forming the band in the first place. And they say on it that if this shop didn't exist, then they wouldn't exist. Um, So, yeah, if you're into that kind of music and if you're just kind of passionate about taste curation, which I imagine you are if you listen to this podcast or, you know, the fight between indie outlets and more soulless online corporations, uh, you know, not saying anything about Disney Plus when I say that. But, yeah, I really, really recommend other music, even if it isn't on my actual top. 20 sorry top 10 of the year Dan anything else spring to mind before we go into extra features
0: no I wasn't prepared for this (laughs) but
1: yeah like it's
0: it's been a weird year like I looking back I was like fuck am I gonna have enough like films that I loved for a top 10 and then I put everything down and it was it was pretty easy to get a, a top 10 but I I would still say that it's been a it's been an odd one I don't think I've watched as many modern films this year as I normally do and while I try desperately to rectify that in the last couple of weeks, I've been working 12 hour shoot days. So it's, it's not been super easy. Yeah, I've got a long list of, of promising 2020 pictures to carry me into the early months of next year.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of worked out quite well because I've got so many recommendations from your list. And hopefully you've got a couple from my list. I think you yeah, yeah, yeah. Shadow Country, for example. But yeah, like you, I just haven't been watching as much as, as normal and it hasn't just been challenging for, you know, if I'm being completely honest, it hasn't just been challenging for this episode. It's been challenging for a lot of our normal episodes where we do all our recommendations. Um, you know, I'm as passionate about watching stuff as ever. But this year, for some reason, it's kind of drained a little bit of of, of that out of me and i've diverted my energy more into writing film stuff and you know working on little projects and and bringing lots of different things together creatively i'm trying to be as oblique as possible when i say that um, <laughs> i'll be able to say more next year but yeah in terms of like watching stuff like i keep a monthly record of of everything that i watch and you know earlier this year there was a a month where I watch 51 movies in a single month and then as we get to the end of the year the numbers are more like 10 or 9 yeah and the the reason I sort of am putting this out there is I feel like maybe there's some of our listeners who feel the same way um yeah just something about 2020 is kind of drained you think oh yeah you know can't leave the house just watch loads of films but the concentration just goes way down like I'm so jealous of Edgar Wright like have you seen his watch list for the year like i i haven't gone through the whole thing but oh my goodness it's just a thing of absolute beauty um and that that's kind of what i normally do that's why i kind of normally fit in um and so i kind of expected that not being able to leave the house not having a social life those numbers would double but it's actually kind of drifted away from me and it's it's kind of sad i hope it hope it goes back to normal next year yeah i'm gonna get fired for that aren't i Why? Because they're going to be like that our Arrow Video overlords are going to be like, hang on a minute, you're not watching as many films. It's your job to watch films, Sam. It's your job to watch films and talk about no, films.
0: No, Sam, it's your job to know about films and to talk about films. Oh, that's true. I do. You like, can always you can always draw on the back catalogue. It's not like we haven't watched thousands upon thousands of films.
1: That's true. Yeah, and, and also, like, yeah, I've just done a list of 20 when I could have done a list of 10. So, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm all right. I, I, went, I went back through all my
0: recommendations on the podcasts for the year um and was like wow i've recommended like three films from this year two maybe yeah out of out of 52 out of 50 films we've i've recommended not based on 100 films if it's based on the film as well like two maybe three of them have been from this year
1: yeah yeah well let's um speaking of this year let's let's go back on track and go into extra features extra features extra features extra features now extra features. appropriately enough um we are going to be talking about our favorite well at least i'm going to be talking about my favorite arrow extras this fortnight dan have you yeah. prepared arrow extras yes. yeah 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 my um, five favorite arrow extras so so what's your your first favorite um extra this year um
0: it was the audio commentary on the
1: game Yeah Uh uh-oh i've got a feeling we could
0: have a very similar (laughs) list here but go on it was one of the most in-depth uh and like thorough and rapid fire commentaries i've ever heard it was absolutely delightful um yeah i mean i assume that's
1: on your list as well from your reaction what what number is that on your list (laughs) uh that is number one on my list that's fine well let's not even number it let's just turn it into a normal conversation because I think we're going to have quite a lot of repeats here. Um, So, yeah, all I'll say about that is that I was talking to Tim Coleman, lovely, lovely, brilliant, genius Tim, who has been a friend of the podcast since we very first started. Yeah. Um, And he started his own website now and he just did, uh, I don't know if you've listened to the Evolution of Horror episode about um, Audition and Old Boy uh yeah dan have you caught that not episode? yet no 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 that's probably my you know outside of the arrow video podcast that's probably my podcast episode of the year it's just absolutely magnificent and obviously both arrow video titles but um yeah i was talking to tim on twitter and for some reason it the, the game came up and i think maybe i asked him if, if he had this edition yet and he's like uh no not really it's not one of my favorite ventures," and you know a little bit pricey and i was like dude it is so worth it like the full price double that price would be worth it for the commentary uh, it brings new life into the film and it's it's basically a film school um, in a couple of hours and he paused and then he got back and was like yeah okay i've just ordered it um <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm always selling i'm always selling um abs what's that dan ABS, always be selling. Always be selling. But no, sincerely, um, anyone listening to this, if you have any interest in film, in the art of filmmaking, my God, that is, yeah, my extra of the year. Um, but I'm going to try and get ahead of Dan on this one. And I'm going to name Rob Grant's mushroom <laughs> audio commentary on yep. Harpoon, magic mushroom influenced commentary. Uh, and when he told us about this on our live episode, I wasn't sure about it. Um, because, uh, yeah, I just thought, well, will it just be a bunch of meandering nonsense? But no, it's actually one of the most focused and useful commentaries I've ever listened to. We talk a lot about, um, commentaries that kind of feel like a film school, but if you want a commentary that explains to you, exactly what the modern industry is like and what it takes to to make a film and distribute a film on a low budget now um obviously things may have changed slightly because of covid but it is just a, a, a magnificent guide to modern indie filmmaking dan you laughed that makes me think it was on your list was it it was but luckily i had more than 5 on my list so Ooh. <laughs> fancy pants um yeah so uh what 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 made that uh, extra special for you i um, mean yeah, i mean
0: it's exactly what you said it's a really good commentary i think the the hook for it was the the idea that you were going to be hearing this mad like meandering uh, ego death <laughs> trip but actually, he's remarkably cogent throughout yeah. the whole thing, and he's a very uh, he's a very interesting and personable person at the best of times. If you've not heard it, do go back and listen to the Harpoon episode. Um, I was lucky enough to talk to him about it and about his career in general on that. Um, and he's we I think we were meant to talk for like ten minutes. We ended up talking for twenty five or so. He's incredibly forthcoming with his his opinions and his information, um, both of which are very worth uh, investing your time in yeah amazing and and so what's next from you dan uh it's the inclusion of the director's cut on the exorcist 3
1: disc oh that's very good was that released this year that was this year man bloody hell jesus christ um yeah that's a great one tell it tell us more long mythologized presumed
0: lost uh director's cut of exorcist 3 that uh, changed quite substantial elements of the film. Um, sadly, it does seem, at least to date, that the, the camera negatives uh, for those sequences are genuinely lost. But um, Ara did a fantastic job piecing it together from old VT and uh, magnetic tape rushes um, to give us a, a version that um, Blatty was, was happy to sign off. And it's yeah, it it, it was genuinely like I it, I, it I wouldn't recommend it be the first way that people watch the film because it is grueling because of its occasional very low quality and and even more than the low quality, the shifting quality is quite uh, alienating. It can throw you out of it at times. Mm. But if you've seen the film and love the film as much as uh, as I and and in fact Sam do mm. and have, um, then you'll be very familiar with it, and so you can. Uh, you can watch this version of it and see really what was what, what it was meant to be, and it's absolutely fascinating.
1: Spoiler alert! I'm going to have to make a change to my top five releases of the year. Um, <laughs> that, I know that, that was this year. Yeah, spectacular. Yeah, great choice. I am going to do one that may be uh, a cheat. Uh, it may not count. Dan, you can feel free to discount this if you want. But I was going to go with the inclusion of offspring on the woman because
0: Oh no no I I,
1: I almost did myself
0: yeah okay. no I think that counts as an extra feature
1: cuz it's technically is because it's part of a special edition and and, and yeah. so yeah, it's yeah, yeah. limited and yeah I just think that um and I know if you go back and listen to our, our the woman episode dan obviously um prefers this to the woman I'm not necessarily saying that however because there are so many amazing elements to the woman for me, including the performances and all the rest of it. Um, But just the fact that Arrow put this on a disc um, when it's a film that I hadn't even really heard of, even though I'd seen the woman, uh, and it brings completely fresh context to the film. Um, And, yeah, just I, I just love the arrow do stuff like this where their archival material in this case an entire other film um is able to bring uh, a fresh perspective on a film that you already know quite well um so yeah just an amazing quote-unquote special feature that i'm sure the filmmakers wouldn't want their film to be called that um but yeah i just thought it was it was a wonderful wonderful inclusion and and thank you for Arrow for for bringing that out of relative obscurity um dan what's next from you it's the
0: incredibly long behind the scenes content on old boy now was
1: old boy was that a 2020 release are you sure
0: i mean i'm not 100 percent sure but we covered we did it on a podcast this year
1: oh okay yeah i don't think that i think that might have been released in 2019 but i think they well, let's, did
0: let's let's do it in advance of the standard edition that's being released uh either this month or next month
1: fucking nailed it yes um right i need to make another adjustment to my top five releases of the year but dan yeah talk about that incredible wealth of material
0: um, yeah, it's astonishing. They uh, they allowed access. I mean, invited access, I guess, to uh, to these behind the scenes filmmakers. There's a, a fantastic feature length documentary cut from the footage, but then also included is the sort of almost unedited, full length, like insanely long uh, footage of the of of just the process. And it's interesting because it's such a slick film um but there was so much panic going on behind the scenes it's really interesting to see how such a polished gem can come out of of something that was such a scramble plus you know it's it's really nice to
1: watch stunt rehearsals yeah yeah and very dangerous stunt rehearsals as well oh my god yes um yeah he's cut
0: the the glass has
1: got him he's cut now okay (laughs) go again <laughs> <laughs> just incredible what a fucking release um yeah love it uh what else have i got so yes that's right this may on paper sound like a bit of a, a cop-out if you'll forgive the joke um but i'm going with kevin smith's intro for more rats now <laughs> normally an intro on a blu-ray It's around about two minutes long. Sometimes they're 45 seconds long. Sometimes they're three minutes long. But let's say they're normally around two minutes long. The Morat's intro is more like an hour. um, And it is so comprehensive and lovely and sweet. And, you know, if you haven't watched our epic interview with kevin smith how long was that that was like two hours wasn't it
0: over two hours
1: yeah Yeah. so if you haven't watched that that's still on the arrow video um channel on youtube uh and that was one of my overall highlights of 2020 actually doing that interview um it was pretty amazing like he took an hour to answer dan's first question (laughs) um (laughs) So, yeah, that that gives you some insight into what this intro is like. But, yeah, it's a shame it's not available in the UK as yet. But don't blame Arrow. Blame the licensing laws. Um, But hopefully, who knows, it will get a release at some point. Um, But if not, just import it and and play it on an all-region player because it's just another fantastic disc. They've just this you know in all the years that we've done this podcast and we're coming up to what is it four years next year jesus christ yeah i think so um this for me has been a year when arrow has stepped it up and changed the gear they've kind of gone next level on a lot of releases i i feel but um we'll get more into that next time but um yes dan what's next from you
0: um next for me is the uh the effects making of content on the tremors disc uh really delightful to see the in-camera visual effects people the the guys over at um, amalgamated dynamic industries um talking about the puppets still relatively early in their career as a company it's just again it's exhaustive you get told about match shots that you didn't realise were match shots, miniature shots you didn't realise were miniature shots. Really beautiful uh, making of stuff, lovely talking heads, uh, and a fascinating pair of twins.
1: Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, and uh, this has all come together beautifully because my final recommendation, or not recommendation, just, you know, extra that I've loved this year is also from the Tremors Disc um, but it's the audio commentary by Jonathan Melville, and I should also mention that I don't think we mentioned the name of um, the, the the critic and programmer Nick Pinkerton, who did oh yeah on the game who did the game. So yeah, shout yeah. out to Nick um but yeah jonathan's uh commentary i I won't bang on about it because we did it on like the last episode and i talked about it at length on there um but yeah just a really warm and intelligent and interesting commentary and he actually he listened to our tremors episode and tweeted at me and said that it was his his first ever commentary and he was really nervous about it so he appreciated the kind words um uh yeah jonathan you definitely did tremors justice on that audio commentary it yeah, is magnificent yeah. so yeah i think that's my last of my top five you've done yours have you dan
0: i've got my my extra one. Oh
1: yes please <laughs> my my I, and this is
0: my number one uh but i i lost count of how many i've done um it's it's the uk dub of gamma guardian of the universe oh. Yes, when I when I found out that that was being included on that Gamera box set, I was giddy with delight. Um, it's genuinely fucking astonishing. Uh, if you haven't picked up the Gamora set, I'm afraid it's long sold out. Arrow do have uh, individual discs uh, coming up next year, I think, like February maybe. The Gamera God in the Universe is the first of the like the reboot films, and in the UK it was inexplicably uh, so. There's three audio tracks on there there's the japanese track there's the us dub and then there's an english dub And the english dub has what is like an early pasha soundtrack uh and it is something else inexplicable constant club music all the way through
1: fantastic um
0: yeah and it just elevates what is a, a fun slightly silly film into an excellent very silly film And of course, that box set birthed one of the most lovely online moments uh, for Sam and myself of the year. Sam.
1: Yeah. So we we got a a really, really wonderful email um, at the start of December and yeah, it it gave us both festive feelings. So uh, we thought we'd read it out on on this kind of Christmas edition of of the podcast. It's from Kenneth Sutcliffe. And here we go. Um, Hi there. This is just a note to say thank you, not just to Sam and Dan, as great as they are, but to all at Arrow for literally bringing a tear to my eye. I was lucky enough to snag one of the Gamera box sets and enjoyed watching the more modern ones and reading the comics before popping it on my shelf to get to the older films from my youth later. At this point, however, for me, something truly wonderful happened. My near six-year-old spotted the fantastic artwork on the shelf and asked what it was. It's worth pointing out that my efforts to interest him in film had failed up until this point. But on being told it was a film about a giant fire-breathing flying turtle, he immediately asked to watch one. After a brief Twitter consultation with Sam and Dan, plus James Flower, thank you so much for taking the time, I settled on the first film. With some trepidation, sat down to watch a black-and-white film with him and his four-year-old brother. They both absolutely adored it. And since then, we have worked our way through the first six films every weekend. The sheer level of excitement at each one is a joy to watch for me. They ask about each baddie and insist on looking at the postcard art for each film they have seen. Oh, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting choked up reading this, Dan. Um,
0: it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, this takes me back to my own childhood. Anyway, um, the drawings of each kaiju's anatomy are also big favourites. Angus, the oldest one, spent bedtime insistently wanting to know how they made Gamera fly and is clearly a future Blu-ray extra fanatic. I know the mid-era Gamera films can have some interesting choices, but to see them through a child's eye again, they have an everlasting appeal for the audience they were made for. The newer trilogy will have to wait a few years, but I think Gamera through to Gamera vs. Zigra will be on hard rotation in my house for a while. The attention to detail and production values of this specific collection has allowed me to share a connection with my sons that I couldn't have dreamed of. They both proudly claim to prefer Gamera to Star Wars. In the modern age where mass market film is pushed so heavily, having them enjoy a weird Japanese kaiju series gives me more hope against the Disneyfication of everything. Hear, here, Kenneth. Um, Mm -hmm. this only happened because companies like Arrow give the care and attention to all cinema that it deserves and there is no way it would have happened without a physical copy I do also owe a slight apology to my wife who has spent at least 10 minutes being grilled on which of Gamera's mighty opponents was her favourite and she had to struggle to an answer Uh, the podcast has led me personally to a number of films I wouldn't have found but the commitment of all at the company has given me something actually priceless thank you uh kind regards kenny oh what an email thank you so much for writing that kenneth and absolutely lovely yeah really beautiful beautiful memories um I, and i read that to my staff <laughs> in the workshop how did they react
0: <laughs> they 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 thought it was incredibly sweet they were slightly confused as to why when we had such a looming deadline i would stop them all working to read them an email but um yeah absolutely lovely
1: and and just to um to give a special shout out to Angus and Hamish um uh, your dad will not allow you to listen to all the episodes of the podcast that we've done because some of them are highly inappropriate for you um but uh Dan and I both wanted to say um, how special it is that you've started on your cinematic journey. There are so many wonderful movies waiting for you and just listen to your dad. He's going to oh. show you the best ones. Um, imagine yeah. Wait, imagine their delight when they get to watch Ibira, Terror of the Deep.
0: Oh, exactly. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, there you, like, you go. You There's like a giant recommendation. turtles. You like giant flying turtles. Wait until you get a giant fire-breathing lizard fighting a giant
1: crab on an island also populated by giant spiders and giant prey and mantises. I mean... It's amazing. That's the actual dream. But yeah, Angus and Hamish have a lovely Christmas and uh, I've been told that that Gamera has something special for you uh, waiting for you under the tree. Kenneth, I made that up. Don't play that bit to them if that's not true. (laughs) 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 Anyway... um but seriously lots of love to to you and yours uh uh, uh, kenneth angus and hamish and and your good wife who we don't know the name of but anyway that's it that's the end of this half of our end of the year special please come back in two weeks for our top five movies of 2020 um until then thank you so much for listening thank you and we promise to be more professional next time next time Bye bye
0: Bye. M-